Welcome, and thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Brother Jim England. This week's sermon, The Example of Job, is a continuation of the summer series, Building Christian Character. And now, here's Brother Jim. I want to have you take your Bibles. We're looking in the book of Job this morning. The Old Testament, you find uh, Psalms in the middle of your Bible, so it'd be right before Psalms. Job, Psalms, Proverbs. So if you want to turn to Job, we've been doing a series on character. And so in June, we just looked at passage that dealt with character. July, we've been looking at examples, biblical examples of character. So we've, we've looked at Daniel, we looked at Joseph, and today, Job. And so we're going to read from a couple of different places here in chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, and then in chapter 2, verse 10. So we'll pick it up at verse 20. It said, Then Job arose, he tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And then he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Verse 10, But he said to her, You speak as a foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And in this, Job did not sin with his lips. I heard that there is a, a, a weasel. What makes it unique is that when the weather, when it's snowing, its fur turns, instead of having it brown, its fur turns white for just a little while. And when it does, they say that it just loves to protect it's uh, white fur, and people just go crazy over this white fur. And so hunters go after this remain. And, and so they say that these hunters, the best way to get trap it is they find out where its nest is, where it's living, maybe in a tree or wherever it is. The, it's got a hole that it goes to, and they'll just make it real dirty, grime, put stuff all around it. And then they'll chase it, and then when it runs home, it will not go in because it does not want to mess up its fur. It, it, will, it just it wants to stay pure, and so that way then they're able to trap and to catch it. It would soon surrender than to lose its purity. Job did not want to lose his integrity regardless of what's taken place. And so Job is certainly an example of character. Some people may be surprised at picking Job, but Job is certainly an example of character. And you'll find his character mentioned in this first chapter. I didn't read the very first verse, but in the very first verse, this is, uh, this is how he lived. It says, this is what it says, verse 1, There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and the man was blameless, upright, who feared God and shunned evil. Then God speaks about Job. And so in verse 8, he's talking to Satan, and the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth, a blameless, upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And then, if that's not enough, God once again mentions Job to Satan in verse 3 of chapter 2. He said, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. He's blameless 
upright man who fears God and shuns evil. And on top of that, when you get to chapter 42, the very last chapter after all the things have taken place and God has spoken, God addresses Job's friends. And he says to them, this is verse 8, Now therefore take for yourself seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer for yourself a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. In other words, he has maintained integrity throughout. Now, some people may say, what about other places in the Bible? What about is Job's integrity mentioned there? And in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel in chapter 14, he's talking about judgment coming to the land. And then he speaks on behalf of God. And he says, and God says, if Noah, Job, and Daniel were right here, these righteous men with character and integrity, they would only be able to save themselves and not spare you from judgment. That's how wicked they were. He mentions that same thing again in chapter 14, verse 20. And so what we see is, is that Job certainly is a great example for us. So let's just take a moment and just look to start with at these four traits that are mentioned of him in verse 1, verse 8, and in chapter 2, verse 10. Notice it said he's blameless in action. Some translate that as perfect, but it kind of gives you the wrong idea because when we think of perfect, we think of somebody that never sins, never makes a mistake. Well, there's only one person that's ever lived that was perfect in that regard. That's Jesus Christ. That's it. But Job, blameless. It's a good translation, blameless. Basically, he was free from accusation. Somebody could not accuse Job of living or practicing a sinful lifestyle. See, Job wasn't a pretender. He didn't pretend to be a godly person. He was a godly person. He was genuine. That's the idea. He's genuine. He's real. He's authentic. In other words, he's not a hypocrite. That's what people are looking for. People don't necessarily, they're not necessarily looking for people that are perfect. But they are looking for somebody that's real. Somebody that lives life, and they're not pretending, but they really do seek to honor God. They know God and walk with Him. That's Job. He was blameless. It says he was upright. That's upright. I mean, it has to do with your dealings with other people. And so he wasn't somebody that was going to double-cross you. He was a businessman. He made business decisions. He did deals with other people. And so Job did not double-cross, he did not cheat, he didn't try to take advantage of situations. He was honest, he was upright in his dealings. Now when all this tragedy hit Job, some of his friends started to accuse him of things. They said, Job, all this money you've got, it must be. You've done something, you've taken, you've taken advantage of somebody. Or you've not helped people that you should have helped. And so Job, in chapter 29, in verse 12, he begins to tell you how he did handle himself. And so here's what he says. Verse 12, he said, 
because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless, and the one who had no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me. I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind. I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor. I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked. I plucked the victim from his teeth. In other words, Job was upright in all of his dealings and even uh, not just in his business dealings, but even with those that were in need, those that couldn't help themselves. He was an upright, outstanding person. And it says he feared God. He was a person that he honored God. A person that fears God, recognizes who God is. God is our creator. He's the one we're accountable to. He's one day we're going to have to stand and be judged by. Job recognized that, and because of that, he lived a life accordingly. He wanted to honor, to worship, to magnify God. He, he recognized that God is, is just that God is uh, worthy of our worship and praise. And so Job lived his life accordingly. Wouldn't it be great today if we saw more people actually have the fear of the Lord? The recognition how great God is and that we have to give an account. Used to people, they somewhat understood about God. But today people have just put God to the side and just live as if nothing is ever going to take place. Judgment will never come. I won't have to answer to God, oh, yes, you will. Everybody does. Job recognized that, and so he honored God with his life. And a person that honors God with their life, that means that they're going to do what this is said next, and that is that he shunned evil. He was moral in all of his decisions. He tried to do what was right. He did not compromise. It's easy to be able to compromise today. People can come up and offer you money, or people can come up and say, we're going to make money doing this, so we don't need to honor God here. Job was not like that. He was not willing to compromise for money, not for power, not for position. He was going to honor God. He didn't take bribes. He was moral. He maintained a moral life. You know, later on, his friends would accuse him, apparently, of doing some things that was immoral. And Job, there in chapter 31, verse 1, he said this. He said, you know what? I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a woman in lust. He said, yeah, there's attractive people all around, even in Job's day. And Job said, you know what? I've determined that I'm not going that route. I'm married and I'm going to... Be moral in my actions. Another thing about Job then that we see is that uh, not only his character, but his adversary. Here in Job chapter 1, what makes it interesting is that we're introduced to Satan. And Satan is certainly an adversary. And the word Satan itself means just that, adversary, an accuser. Here's something that you need to know about Satan. He's always talking, and it's always bad. <laughs> he has nothing good to say about you. He's always accusing you of something, whether it's your attitude, 
any little thing that you do, Satan is making accusation and he doesn't miss things. And so he's always accusing you. Let me give you some good news, though. <laughs> Satan is not God. Thank goodness. He, he doesn't have the power that God has. His attributes are not the same as God's. Satan is limited. And there's, he's limited. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God, he's limited what he can do to you. Isn't that good? That is so good to be able to know that. Now, Satan, listen, he is certainly a foe that you uh, don't want to mess with. But it's just good to know he doesn't measure up to God, and he's limited in what he can do to a child of God. And so when it comes to Job, God says, Hey, Satan, have you ever thought about Job? There's nobody like him. And he mentions how all these good traits. Satan says, yeah, but uh, he only worships you for what you give him. You blessed him. Why wouldn't he worship you? But if you'll take those blessings away, he won't worship you. Let me ask you, would that be true of us? Would that be true of you? If your blessings were taken from you, would you still worship God? Satan says, that's the only reason Job worships you, is what you give him. You take it away, and you just see what he would do. And so God says to Satan, he says, I'll tell you what, let's just see. You can do anything you want to him, but you can't take his health. In other words, you see, he's limited. He can't touch a Christian, a child of God, without permission. Jesus, there at the Lord's Supper, he said, Peter... Satan has asked permission to sift you as wheat. He had asked permission. He is limited in what he can do to a Christian, and thank goodness that that's the case. Now, the way you break those limits is when you choose to sin and go in his direction. But if you're living a godly life, he has to be able to get permission. Here's something else you need to know about Satan. This is from Jesus. This is what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, I've come to give you life, but the thief, Satan, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Keep that in your mind. Never forget that. Satan is not your friend. He has come to do you harm. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he would tell parables, and he would tell stories. So Abraham Lincoln was telling a story, and Abraham Lincoln said there was a lion that fell in love with a woodsman's daughter. So he went to the woodsman, and he said, I want to marry your daughter. That woodsman said, no way. Look at your teeth. He said, that's just dangerous. There's no way I could let you marry my daughter. So he went to the dentist, had his teeth pulled out. Then he came back. He said, now I don't have any teeth. Can I marry your daughter? He said, no way. Look at your claws. That's dangerous. No way. So he went and had his claws removed. He came back, and the woodsman just beat him to a pulp. <laughs> if you start playing with Satan, that's what's going to happen. Satan, he plays games, but his games is to kill, to destroy you, to harm you. It's to steal your joy, to steal the things that come your way. I want you to know something. Satan does use people that are close to us. One of the things that we find, and we found in chapter 2, after Job had lost his health, 
He's lost his children. His wife says, curse God and die. You know what Satan said? He serves you, but if you take away his health, he'll curse you to your face. And now here's his wife saying, curse him and die. And can't you just see Satan saying, yes, I told God and I'm right. Remember Peter? Jesus mentioned about suffering and going to the cross. Peter had just mentioned about Jesus being the Son of God. And now Jesus looks at him, tells him he's going to the cross, and Peter said, no, may it never happen to you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He was a stumbling block. He was being an instrument used by Satan to be able to keep Jesus from doing the very will of God. The thing that needed to be, the purpose for which he came, for which humanity needed, was for Christ to die upon the cross so our sins could be forgiven, so we could have the hope of heaven. Yet there's Peter being used as a tool by Satan. And so that's what Satan tries to even use people that are close to us. Not just his wife, but his friends would be a stumbling block. Satan was instigator in Job losing then all of his possessions. Now, I didn't read these verses, but let me just pick up in chapter 1, in verse 13, just to give you an idea of what had taken place in his life, what he had lost. Verse 13 says, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys uh, f feeding beside them when the uh, Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants and the ed with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I have alone escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away and, yes, killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people. They're all dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Isn't that something? He lost everything. That's how much Satan hates you. If he is giving the freedom to be able to destroy you, he will. And he didn't waste any time. And just like that, everything Job owned was gone. And he was a wealthy, wealthy man. A great businessman. And it's gone. His children, who he loved, gone. Satan also caused him loses his health. When Satan said, if you just take his health, he'll curse you. God said, take it. Just don't kill him. And so he does. He takes his health. Let me read to you verse 7, verse 9. Verse 7, so Satan went from his presence of the Lord. He struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd 
with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes alone. And that's when his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. I mean, you just think, she's lost her children. She's lost all of her wealth. She has nothing. Now she sees her husband, and he just almost the same as dead, covered from head to toe in boils. Let me just share with you. Here's some things that Job, throughout this book, shares about his health. He had inflamed ulcer-like sores, persistent itching, degenerate changes in facial skin, disfiguration, his loss of appetite, he had depression and fear, sores burst open, scabbed over, they cracked, they oozed with pus, he had worms that formed inside the sores. In chapter 9, it talks about how he had difficulty breathing. Chapter 16, darkening eyelids. His breath was terrible. Loss of weight. Excruciating, continual pain. High fever, chills, anxiety, and diarrhea. He was sick. Satan, when he gave him the chance, don't think that he didn't take advantage and do his best to harm Job. Now that brings us to the lessons we can learn from Job about his integrity and his relationship with God. First, I want you to see this. God deserves our worship regardless. Now, we read our verses today. Chapter 1, verse 20. Here, remember what it said? It said, Job, all this happened. What did he do? He's a human being. He arose and he tore his robe. I mean, he's grieving. That's what that's a sign of. He is just grieving. He is torn apart. He shaves his head, and then it tells us he fell to the ground and worshipped. You see, God deserves our worship regardless. He's God. He's holy and just, and that never changes. And no matter what happens in your life, God deserves our worship. And Job worships. And he said, I've lost everything, but naked I came into the world, naked I'm leaving. Without God, I have nothing anyway. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed is the name of the Lord. I'm going to worship Him. It's just amazing that Job recognizes God for who he is. He said, I don't care what happens in my life, I will worship him. Later on, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, God, you may slay me, but I'm going to trust you. You're the only hope that I have. It's you. If there's ever going to be justice, if there's ever going to be mercy in my life, am I ever going to have anything that's going to be because of you and you all, you're all I got? You're my Redeemer. He would later say, I know my Redeemer lives. You ever heard that? Well, Job's the one that said it. My hope is in you, God. He also realized this. God is ultimately in control and can be trusted. Verse number 10, his wife speaks. He answers her, he said, you speak like a foolish woman. Don't think like that. And, and be careful of thinking that Job's being hard on her. Job understands that Satan's at work. And Job just says, you're speaking foolishly. We have a tendency to do that. When bad things happen, we don't think right. 
We have a tendency to say things we shouldn't say. And he said, should we accept things good from God and not adversity? Adversity is going to happen in life. And when it does, you got to know this. I can trust God. I don't know why it's happening. It doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right. But I know that I can trust God. And Job knows that God is ultimately in control and can be trusted. This is a mess we're in. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. But let's not abandon God. Here's something else we need to realize. God is at work in many areas at one time. It's not just Job's life that he's at work in right now in this situation. He's at work in his wife. He's at work with his friends. And he's at work in the future. You may have to go through something, but God is not just working here. He's working over here in somebody else's life. I heard somebody say, the problem I have with the book of Job is that God is making a deal with the devil to prove a point, and he's got Job's life at, at risk. I said, you know what, that's a superficial reading of this book, and there's a whole lot more going on than that. It's not that God's playing games with Job. God knows that adversity and difficulties happen in life. And so he's allowing this to happen with Job because he's wanting to be able to minister to people through the ages. And Job has had an impact, has granted hope to people for centuries. See, Satan, sure, his mind is just upon Job and what he can do to harm him. But God is at work in this situation. He allows it to happen because he knows he can use it to help and minister to other people. You see, people had this ideal that Job's friends did. If something bad happens to you, then that means you're wicked. That's what his friends said. That's basically what they thought. God is so good. He only blesses those that are good. And if something bad happens to you, then that means you've done something wrong. Well, that could be true, but it's not always true. And let me also remind you this. God brings good in all things for those who love Him. See, that's what Job was trying to say. we got to trust Him. God knows how to bring good out of every single situation to those who love Him. So no matter, it may seem like it's a hopeless situation you're in, but if you love the Lord, He will bring good from it. And God is always at work. We've learned that back when we was looking at Book of Romans, chapter 5, that God is work bringing character within us, opening up doors for us to be ministers and to make an impact for Him. Wayne Dehoney, who was, uh, he's no longer with us, he was a, uh, pastor in Louisville at Walnut Street. I had him for a class one time, and so I always liked him, and I, so I, I picked up one of his books, and so in one of his books, he wrote, When Life Goes to Pieces, he told this story about a fella, there's a pastor named Pat, who was a pastor of a small church. Not much happened. Didn't seem like God was doing anything. One day, he was going on a mission trip, and he was in an airport in Los Angeles, and all of a sudden, something happened that changed his life. Somebody had placed a bomb, and a bomb, this was in the 70s, a bomb went off. 
He said two people standing in front of him died. One person that was standing beside him died. He said when that bomb went off, he said he went up 30 feet in the air. <laughs> he said he looked down and his right leg was gone. He said he landed on his left leg. His left leg fractured in six places. As he was in the hospital, he said he just felt like the Lord saying, trust me. You trust me, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to use it, do more than what you would ever be able to do. And he said, you know, God changed him from being a victim to a victor. He became a sought-after speaker, and people wanted to know, what happened to you? He said, because God took a tragedy and did something with it. Somebody said one time about Job, what I don't like about Job is you get to the end and all of a sudden God says, okay, I'm going to bless you. And he doubles everything Job had and he even gives him some new children. And they said, I just don't think that it makes it all right. He's lost 10. He lost his 10 in his first chapter. How does that okay? Children are a gift from God. And he's basically just allowed us to be stewards over our children. Because of the world that we're living in, tragedies happen. There's no guarantees. The time we have, we just need to be able to teach and help our children the, mo the best we can. But things happen, and it's a part of life. But just think about this. Job, after all of this takes place, there's a neighbor down the road, and an accident's happened. They've lost a child. They're heartbroken. They say, there's no good can come from this. And then all of a sudden, Job shows up. And Job's able to minister to them and point them to God. He's able to help them like nobody else can. Because that's what God does. He takes the bad and allows us to have new opportunities and new ministries. And Job, he's a different person. Oh, he was a person of character before. But he knew God in a way that he didn't know him. That you could only know him through going through adversity, through seeking him. And yeah, Job struggled and he questioned. But in the very end, his faith is stronger than ever. And Job was able to make more of a difference and more of an impact than he ever could before. Now, I don't know where you're at or what's going on in your life. But I do know that God wants you and I have character even when we're going through the hardships we can question him but God wants us to be so close to him he wants us to be his instruments to be able even in the midst of stuff to honor and glorify him I don't always understand things but I know that God can be trusted and he is in control there is no doubt that God loves you he wouldn't have sent Jesus to this world Jesus wouldn't have died for your sin. He wouldn't have paid the price, the penalty of your sin, so you could be forgiven if He didn't love you. He loves you, and there's no doubt about that.